Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to an emergency knock on podcast. Listen, this podcast is going to require all of you to take action. This, this podcast is my plea for to all of you out there, we have to unify for a very, very critical topic that has just came up, and this is directly related to something, well, several things that I'm super passionate about, and it has to do with the National Archery in the School Program, the NAS program, uh, but also, and potentially even more importantly, um, also has to do with the hunter's education and what's going on in the school systems right now. And a bill that government um, has put through. So I'm going to give you a quick introduction here. I've got, I've got Dan Forrester on the podcast with me today. So just to give Dan a quick uh, intro here. Dan works for the ATA, the Archery Trade Show Association, as a vice president, chief conservation officer, but he's also the director of the government relations. He's certified wildlife biologist, directed the Georgia Department of Natural Resources uh, in recent years. You've also have 30 years uh, with the agency uh, for your expertise uh, with this ATA position. Um, Dan, you've worked as a biologist, supervisor, game management section. Uh, I mean, your accolades and what you've done for the DNR and the game and fish just goes on and on. I also work with Dan on the board of directors for the council to advance hunting and shooting sports, which is a, a critical, uh, group that is really, active in the R3, um, which is critical as well, which is the recruitment, retention, and reactivation programming. Um, so right now we have this critical topic, and I'm just going to give you a, a quick brief here. And this topic really is for all of us to come together and act when we need to for protecting the teaching of archery hunter's education and shooting sports in our national schools. Uh, historically, hunter's education and the archery in the schools, the wilderness courses, and other outdoor-focused uh, school activities have been included in the curriculum for our nation's schools, and they're an important component in tons of rural areas, especially, um, you know, I know out here in Iowa, you know, all these things are critical. These programs provide, you know, the life skills for a lot of these students. And according to the teachers and honestly, also the the parents, you know, thousands of parents I've talked to that are engaged in these programs, the student participation um, is just correctly or has been directly correlated um, with the improvements of their academic performance, their behaviors in schools, their school attendance. Listen, all three of those are things from the day one of the NASP, which I was, I was actually part of the beginning conception of NASP. I worked at Matthews when the Genesis bows first came out. I was actually 
I was actually in the very first NASP training course, which was at the Boys and Girls Club in Sparta, Wisconsin. Uh, we had hired Rod White, a former gold medalist, to be able to go into the schools to teach NASP. We came up with the very first curriculum, the very first certification, and that was a huge initiative for us for getting kids involved uh, in sports and not just sports, but archery and kids of all levels. If you ever go to a NASP event, what's just so touching is how many kids that really are not necessarily, you know, football athletes or baseball athletes or the, the, the amount of teachers that would come forward and say that some of these kids would never even go to the PE class. They would always say they were sick or whatever, but when archery came in and the the safety and the basics of archery was taught a lot of these kids started attending school um they reinforced the important points regarding you know the food chain conservation the environment but however as important as all this stuff in we're now facing the possibility that all these programs are at risk of losing the federal funding or being dropped over concerns for a, a, a bill that was passed that is literally going to remove the funding from schools if they're participating in, if they're allowing the participation of this archery and hunting safety. So Dan, please, please inform everybody of what's going on and what we need to do. Well, I certainly appreciate that opportunity, John. Before I dive into that, I just got to say thank you for for what you do to grow archery participation, both hunting, target archery, and to hear you share that story of the early 2000s and your part in uh, the development of this incredible program we now call the National Archery in the Schools Program. That really has been a game changer in many ways. And unfortunately, I'm here today, today to share with you uh, the simple fact that that is at risk. And as John said, we certainly uh, want our archery community and others to be aware of this so that they can help. But we, we live in a world of unintended consequences. And what happened is last year, in the wake of the Uvalde, Texas, and the Buffalo, New York shootings, Congress uh, decided to provide some changes to existing legislation with respect to schools. So they passed uh, in the summer last year the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Act. And what it did was it, it basically amended uh, the Comprehensive Funding uh Act, known as the Elementary and Secondary Schools Education Act, uh, which provides funding for, for schools. And that is where the funding for archery programs, wilderness courses, hunter education, and other kind of programs lie. Well, when Congress made those modifications, they included language that prohibited the use of those funds to be used for, quote, dangerous weapons. Now, the intent of Congress uh, was to prohibit funds from being used for training school resource officers and other security personnel. And uh, the negotiators of that bill, particularly some of the Republican negotiators, 
worked very, very diligently on trying to avoid any unintended consequences. Never was there a discussion about prohibiting funding for archery programs in schools, hunter education, wilderness survival, any of those kinds of things. Yet, uh, and unfortunately, the U.S. Department of Education uh, under Secretary Michael Cardona issued guidance earlier this year that said if you are going to fund programs that uh, you know include use or training of a dangerous weapon, then uh, you would put at risk uh, the funds for all of your federal funds for education under this act. Obviously, that threw uh, some folks in a tailspin. Now, as you might imagine, Alaska was the first state back in May that actually uh, recognized this language, saw the language, and had programs in their state actually impacted. They were pulled. And so they elevated that issue to our community, and our community consists of just a tremendous group of NGOs, state agency partners, uh, industry partners, and and so we we started rallying about that, and actually thought, well, okay, this is this is clearly a misinterpretation. So uh, Senator Cornyn uh, from Texas and Senator Tillis from New uh, from North Carolina actually crafted language since they were part of the negotiations. Crafted language that they sent to Secretary Cordona back on July 10th saying, look, guys, this was never our intent. We worked on this, and to pull this funding from states is uh, not only a travesty, but just just going to impact, you know, some successful program, which is 180 degrees off from what they wanted to do. So where we are is we are sitting here today uh, with a, a strong group of congressmen, uh, senators and representatives, as well as many in the archery community, the conservation community, uh, hunting community at large are just frustrated over this and have not seen a response yet from the secretary. So, uh, you know, we're we're not going to sit down. We're going to rally until we get this fixed. Uh, the The short, you know, opportunity to put this at rest would be for Department of Education to come out with guidance that says, oh, you know, this was uh, a, a broader interpretation than uh, what we we should have done. And here's the new guidance, and we can continue as we have since 2002 with archery and other programs. Uh, that would be the, the home run. Unfortunately, uh, the fact that we've not seen a response in a month, in spite of all the noise that's been made to date, uh, then we're probably looking at changing this legislatively. So we do know there are some uh, House members and some senators that are uh, working on language. In fact, uh, Congressman Green from uh, North Carolina has dropped a bill uh, last week that seeks to change it. So whether we change it legislatively, administratively, or both, this is a big deal for our community. And as Dudley said, we certainly would appreciate any engagement and help that folks want to offer. Well, I mean, we're, 
I'm definitely going to rally as much as I possibly can on this. I mean, there, your description is awesome. And there's certainly going to be a ton of people that want to have that much background of what all happened. And yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to process it all because one, I know the, I know the impact of NASP. NASP has been such a critical thing. The amount of people that I see that, you know, when I say, when I say, oh, I shoot archery, you know, hey, what do you do or whatever, you know, people that I meet, the amount of people that say, oh yeah, I did archery in gym class one time, really liked it. You know, I need to get back into it. Like the amount of people that say that is, I hear it all the time, all the time. And the amount of honestly, this huge insurgence right now of, a, of the younger generation coming into not just archery, but also coming into hunting. It's, it's literally a direct result, partly because of the NAS program and that introduction that they get into archery. And the thing is, it's, what's what should be the biggest focus for honestly anybody who's trying to i guess regulate any type of weaponry so to speak one of the most important things that you could possibly have is the education and safety education of that so like right away when i heard this it was impossible for me not to think back to when I was in high school and we had hunter's education and there's literally people in there that, ha you know, would have never seen a gun or anything like that. But then they got taught the importance of like, don't ever point one at people, you know, sure. um, always have the safety on. You know what I mean? It's like there were basic things like that that are important for everybody. And and honestly, when my son, uh, when when we moved here uh, from England, uh, Sharon and Harry, um, you know, Sharon, Sharon, one of Sharon's concerns was, you know, I have guns around the house. And she's like, you know, Harry doesn't really know anything about guns. So I said, well, the, the most important thing we can do is to take him to hunter safety class. And, and then I actually corrected myself and I said, no, actually what's, what's more important than Harry going is all of his friends that don't have hunting parents. I said, because what you want is you want to have safety education and protocols in place for all of your kids, friends, so that if those friends are around anything like that, you know, that they immediately know the importance of safety. So what Sharon and I did um, was, and this was when Harry was in uh, sixth grade, I actually went to every one of Harry's parents friends parents and i went and asked them if i could take their kids to hunter safety because i said all of our kids are going to be hanging out together this is a critical life lesson um and every parent was like and i'm talking parents that are not hunters still to this day 
but I've had those same parents come up and they're like, you know, that was really cool because they still talk about that. They still talk about what they learned. And it's not just, you know, it's not just about a weapon. It's also about wildlife. It's about, you know, it's about wildlife. It's about, you know, um, wanton waste. There's so many different critical aspects, not to mention just the laws, you know, the laws and the importance of, you know, if, if, our, if deer season's going on during a firearm season, you know, the importance of what blaze orange is, you know, what the importance of that is. So we took our son and all of his friends to hunter safety and the reassurance that we had as parents to understand that not just Harry being safe, but everybody being safe was, was, you know, it was just, it, it made you feel safer when your kid goes to sleep over at someone's house. Right. And, oh, yeah. and then in addition to that, so when, um, when the Genesis first, uh, became a development, uh, you know, I want to think it was probably around 2000, the first, very first one I saw the Genesis bow and, and, and I may, I may have one of the very first still. Um, but we actually went and used, and I say, we, the very first Genesis that were used, I actually took to a Christian youth camp here in Iowa called Hidden Acres. And I taught, um, for eight weeks every for, well, it was, let's see, it was for eight weeks throughout the summer. Uh, the beginning of every week, uh, a new batch of kids would come into hidden acres. Part of their activities was being able to shoot archery. So, I would go and on the, the first day of that camp, I would do some archery demonstrations and then we would start, I would implement some of the very first protocols of, you know, how are we going to teach this NAS program? So, um, Rod White and Kevin Stay, Matt McPherson, some other part of the team, uh, Roy Grimes came in and then, um, Jenny came in from Kentucky and I'm trying to think of Jenny's last name. She was a good shooter. Um, in the late nineties. Uh, but, but Jenny came in too. And then I think Kentucky came in as the very first state. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. It was kind of homegrown in Kentucky. They were the first and, uh, you know, from there it's been incredible, but John, I, I just want to reiterate, you know, your, your amazing point is that these, these educational programs are lifelong lessons that can apply to everybody that participates or gets exposed to it well beyond those that become lifelong avid hunters. Uh, the, the, one of the best stories that I have of the NAS program is when NAS students were invited to the Capitol uh, or to, the, to Congress, and they were demonstrating for a group of uh, representatives, congressmen, uh, you know, how it worked and actually were shooting equipment they're in the building and one of the congressmen, you know, uh, took his turn and he shot and as busy as those guys are, he said, boy, that was fun. That's cool. I got to go to another meeting and started leave without retrieving his arrows, which is a no, no yeah. in, uh, in the archery world. And this, this young, young kid says, uh, excuse me, but you have to go get your arrows. Uh, just part of that discipline, that lesson, uh, what they learn, they carry things like that uh around forever 
And your your dates are are spot on, John. I think the first NAS students graduated in 2002. Uh, that Genesis bow was certainly a game changer. That technology, and since then, there's been 21 million students have gone through that program. And even now, there's an an adaptation. Archers USA is a hunting program that adapts a Genesis style bow. Uh, and allows NAS students to continue on. Uh, it was piloted in North Dakota. Oklahoma is going gangbusters with this program now. And, and so there's lots of different programs, uh, lots of opportunities, and all of them are going to be impacted if we don't get this changed. Well, I'll tell you another thing. I'm, I'm actually sitting here. Um, I'm kind of sitting out in my personal office, uh, which pretty much is nothing but bows guitars targets and weight rooms <laughs> and <laughs> and 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 on the back wall of one of my weight rooms is is uh arnold sorts you know poster of arnold that he get that he gave me and signed for me and what's and then there's a picture of us at the arnold classic in ohio and i don't know if you know this dan but when i i went and competed at the arnold classic so so the Arnold Classic was actually the largest non-Olympic sport, uh, like, I'm trying to think what the right wording is, but it's the largest non-Olympic sport event, period, is the Arnold Classic in Ohio, wow. first weekend of March. I mean, I don't even know the numbers anymore, but thousands and thousands of athletes in in some of the craziest sports right so arnold and frank zane used to shoot archery as their r and r during the entire golden era of bodybuilding they would shoot at balboa park and santa monica high school i've got pictures of them which i, I know i've posted um they've signed some old like 35 millimeter pictures for me from when they shot archery right. So in 2004, I think it might be five, I'll have to look, but archery got brought into the Arnold Classic and they invited 40 of the top pros to come in and compete. Um, so, uh, and I won, I won the Arnold Classic back to back. So I won it two years in a row. And on the second year, when we were doing like the presentation, Arnold said, okay, we're going to make this even bigger. My vision, he's like, my vision is to get thousands. How do I do that? And I said, Arnold, the pro archers are not who you need to have here. I said, who you need to have here. And at that time, Ohio had just came on to NASP. And I asked Arnold if he would actually allow the NASP state championships to be held at the Arnold Classic instead of inviting pros so that the kids could be there, the kids could be exposed oh, wow. to sports. So um, so him and Latimer, and I forget there was one other fellow that was in charge of the Ohio archery program, uh, or he was, in, he was head of the, the NASP program, but we ended up discontinuing pros going to the Arnold classic and then brought the, the NASP state finals to the Arnold classic so that NASP could get exposure and thousands of state 
qualifying championship kids and their parents could get exposed to other sports too. And like these things are so impactful to our industry. It's absolutely critical that we have this and to, for me to get a, uh, an email showing that because of this bill that was signed and the umbrella of what it's covering, that federal funds to schools will literally be pulled because they're literally saying, I mean, more or less what it's saying is, I'm not going to give you any of my toys if you're going to allow, you know, some of the people in the in the sandbox to play with archery equipment or learn the proper safety to hunting and and that's just like that's going to kill us it's going to kill us down the road and there's there literally has not been a more important subject for me to get involved politically than this topic right here what do we need to do and what like i know there's a lot of stuff happening over the next few days but what what can people do what do we need to do and where can we where can we follow to be updated? And if you're listening to this and you and you have a, a relationship with like Steve Ranella, who I don't, please reach out to to Meat Eater. You know, let Steve and Brian let them know about the importance of this. Reach out to anybody who has a powerful voice. Joe Rogan. Joe, if you are listening, please, please, please mention this. We need help. Please mention this. This is such a critical topic. Um, anybody out there that you know that that has the ability for the masses to listen, but what do we need to do, and where do we need to be paying attention, Dan? So, so in spite of the fact that it's fairly complex, I think the message can be boiled down fairly easily. The, the message is that we need to restore federal funding for archery programs, hunter education programs, and wilderness programs in schools. And that message needs to go to your senators and your representatives in Congress. That's, that's the action. There have been a number of conservation groups that have issued action alerts uh, including Archery Trade Association to our members, uh, Bowhunters United, uh, which is kind of a, uh, uh, I guess, participatory uh, consumer arm, if you will, of ATA issued action alerts, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. There's been others that have done so. And, and you know, ultimately, this is going to have to be addressed legislatively. Uh, right now, the uh, the message can say, hey, we need you to put pressure on the Department of Education, but they're probably going to know that. If you just say, hey, we need to restore funding to archery programs, uh, they're they're going to have enough uh, information already that they're going to they're going to say, okay, we appreciate that. And I'm telling you, in the political game, it's a contact sport. If folks do not hear from their members, then they're going to act according to how they think things ought to be. But if they start getting a handful of calls or emails, then you know they're going to take a different tack. So, so that's that's it, John. For for those that feel uncomfortable, uh, it's very simple. You can find your number, googling it. You can find who your senator representative is. 
You can look at websites on some of these folks that have already done action alerts, but that simple message say, Hey, Senator, I, I, I just ask respectfully that you would restore funding to this important program. If you have more information and want to put details, that's great, but that needs to be in every message that gets sent on this particular topic. Well, I'm going to say one more. I'm going to add one more level to that. If you are a parent like me who have a story about the importance of this program and how it affected your child, that would be a, an amazing way to end your plea. Begin with, you know, dear Senator, just like Dan said, you know, I'm respectfully writing in to inform you of the importance to me that, you know, the funding for the archery and the hunter's safety programs are going to be restored in our state and just say, you know, I, I speak from this from the heart because in blah, 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 my child was at the national archery in the school program. It was the most he ever attended school. It was the most he was ever looking forward to going to a, a sports event. He's still doing it now. You know, it, it's what I love about archery, what I love about it and why I want so many people to do it. And, and, and honestly, the people that you see getting involved in archery and honestly, Joe Rogan's a great example too. You know, Joe got into archery in his fifties. And you can, and archery is such an amazing thing because you can do it whether you're an athlete, whether you're a non-athlete, whether you're a female, whether you're a male, whether, I mean, it, regardless, you can do archery almost at any time of your life. And a Genesis bow, you can do it at any time of your life, whether, you know, you're a six-year-old kid with a mini Genesis or whether I'm in my 80s and, and a 20-pound Genesis is all I can pull back. I mean, it is absolutely critical. I remember going to a, a, a big event in, um, in Amsterdam. It's called the Face to Face. It's, it was a big European, now it's an international head-to-head 18-meter -head, uh, tournament. And while I was there, the, um, I ended up going to a boys and girls club and taking, I took five Genesis bows with me in my suitcase and I wanted to go over and try to introduce archery to kids who had never seen it. And, and, and this was all part of the original like data that we collected for the curriculums for NASP was how easy do these do kids understand the basic principles of, you know, how to shoot a bow? It, I mean, and it all started with, you know, hey, make a Boy Scout sign. Those three fingers now go underneath the arrow knock. You know, and it was like teaching them three fingers underneath the, the, the arrow so that the downward pressure would, would keep the arrow on the rest better. Whereas, you know, a lot of times people grab it with their fingers around each part of the arrow and you right. like, it's easy to twist it off. So it like started with like three fingers under, and then someone said, wait, that's a boy scout sign. So let's just, let's say that because at the time, a lot, you know, 
a lot of young boys knew what the Boy Scout sign was. And so I did this in, in over in, in Amsterdam and these kids who had never seen archery, didn't understand all of my English. They were immediately shooting archery. And by the end of that hour, they were wanting to take pictures. They were wanting to take pictures with their bullseye. They were, and at no point was anyone in jeopardy of safety. At no point was anyone feeling threatened because of this, this essentially it's a kid's bow. You know, it's, it, it needs a certain kind of target. It, you know, it has, you know, doesn't have a broadhead on it. There's no sight. This is just the basic fundamentals of letting someone watch an arrow go down to the target, hit the bullseye and come away at the end of that day, knowing that they hit the middle in life for one task. It's so critical. It's such a passion of mine. Like everything I'm trying to do. And every, everything our brand's trying to do and every hour you spend on these boards, every hour the council spends in meetings, honestly, every hour the Rocky Mountain Foundation is fighting for us. And, and I mean, the ATA and Ducks Unlimited and NWTF and Whitetails Forever and Pheasants Forever. I mean, we can go on and on and on. But it all comes down to like, we have to get people engaged from the beginning. And this is the concept. This is the conception of the introduction. We have to make sure this still happens. It's so critical. Yeah. And, and you know, I am confident we're going to overcome this. It's unfortunate that the bureaucracies at hand can you know, get kind of twisted and cause this kind of kerfuffle. But, you know, the thing to remember, too, is that this is not a partisan issue. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. Unfortunately, you know, in our democratic system, we we do end up with a lot of issues becoming partisan. But, you know, we we want to ultimately get language that doesn't pass because of you know, a simple majority vote. We this needs to be a landslide uh, statement, and by doing that, you know, we need folks to contact your Republican representatives, your Democratic representatives, and and let them know this is not a weaponized, you know, uh, attack. This has been a successful program. Life skills, the history of no incidents, in spite of you know, 20 years and, and 20 million plus students going through. And, you know, this program is taught in 49 states, the NAS program. So, you know, it impacts a lot of folks in a lot of ways. And we're we're gonna we're gonna win this thing. But I, I think the uh the voices that uh will weigh in will help to shorten that time so that we impact as few of these programs early in the school year and in the coming weeks or months before we can get this thing turned around. So help is needed now. We appreciate those that have weighed in. And uh, and John, I can certainly provide you with copies of information, letters, whatever, if that's going to be helpful, you know, to share with some of your membership as well. Is that something that the council or the ATA will have in a location where 
it might be a centralized command, so to speak, would uh, would be nice to to have everything in one position where people could be going rather than trying to get all the information linked properly across multiple platforms. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the ATA uh, itself is a trade organization. And so uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the information we have is, is kind of membership based, but we'll, we'll do what we can. I know our bow hunters United site is going to have uh, the appropriate information there you know, there's others that we're kind of working with in lockstep, including Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. I think the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation uh, will have this information available on their website, as I know they are currently drafting a letter to the Secretary of Education that will come from the Republican and Democratic co-chairs, both the House and the Senate. Which will be a strong statement. So, uh, I think, I think between ATA, Bowhunters United, Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation, and yeah, we can uh, we can certainly get our buddy Steve Lee to put uh, this stuff on the Council to Advance Hunting and Shooting Sports site. Uh, this would be a great way to expose people to the great work that the Council's doing, that Steve and his team are doing. So, I'm sure we can we can uh, put stuff in his hands and ask him. To, uh, to update their website, and that would be a great go-to on this particular thing, uh, one-stop shop, if you will. Yeah, that is, I am so happy that we have organizations. Honestly, I'm so happy that we have organizations like the ones you mentioned. Um, sometimes it, I can tell you, sometimes it's stressful trying to do, you know, Dan, you're you're in way deeper than me, man. You're you're way <laughs> deeper than me. But just sometimes having to to do all the things we do in normal life, but then be able to be active on these boards. And yeah, I know, like you know, at one time Evan Hafer, you know, who's literally running Black Rifle Coffee, was um, on the board with like Congressional, I think. Um, yeah. And, and you know, people that honestly don't have the time to take leadership in some of these roles they're making time they're making time for that to happen and i just remember how big of a deal nasp was i don't know if you know this and i honestly i don't even know if matt is going to be happy that i said this but back in uh er, you know early 2000s uh Matthews had just made the decision that it was not going to be traveling externally. We were a very internal company. All of our reps were internal. You know, we were just, we were kind of homebodies, you know, and, and really trying to, to lead the industry down a whole new path with like single cam bows. Right. And so the, the, the decision was made one year that we were not going to go to the ATA show. And I remember a bunch of us, being like in each other's offices kind of saying like gosh our dealers are going to be killing us about this like why are we not going to the ata show and then uh a few of us we get called into this meeting and matt comes in and matt says you know for all the like 
things that we put into the ATA show and we, we have this huge booth and we're taking, you know, 40 people there and everybody's, you know, it was just, it was a discussion about the work that goes into launching bows there and the amount of expense that we had. And Matt said, I want to take a million dollars and I want to put it towards a brand new program that's going to offer this brand new bow. And he brought the Genesis in for the first time to show everybody. And he said, I want to put a million dollars to trying to get these bows in every school in the United States. And we were all just like looking around like, wait, what? You know, and, and he's just like, yep. And, and, and that was like the beginning concept of it was we literally paused the involvement with the ATA to go in to the national archery in the school program. And here's, what's crazier about this. And this is what's unfortunate. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this for the reason of the industry recognizing the importance of unity and not divide. So we actually reached out to every manufacturer and I shouldn't say every manufacturer, but definitely some of the bigger ones. And Matt offered the Genesis bow to other bow companies if they would also match his involvement with trying to get this program started for $1 per bow. $1 per bow. They could literally have the design. They could make it themselves. But they had to every, it was critical that every bow matched. Because, you know, and they were all colors. So kids could choose a different color they liked. And what's really sad is no other companies got involved because they said, well, we want to make our own model and we want to include a site on it. And we think they should have a release or whatever it was. And Matt was just saying, no, 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 no. It has to be so simple. It has to be focused on the fundamentals of archery and the safety of archery. That's And every kid needs to have the same gear. Like some people aren't going to be able to buy the expensive stuff. They all have to have the same target. They have to have the same bow. And, and literally, Matt's like, literally a dollar is going to cover our legal fees for making this happen. And we stood alone in the entire process. So now I am pleading to everybody, do not leave them alone on this one. Please do not leave them alone on this one. Let's get, let's make sure archery stays in the schools. Let's have arguably one of the best segues for the R3. And let's make sure that the message of archery isn't about hunting and killing it's about the involvement into a sport and hitting the center in life because for me that's what archery is it's having a clear mind and being able to hit the middle when all of my focus is in the right direction yeah i i love love what you just said and you know it unfortunately this is going to require some contact politics 
is, as I mentioned earlier, contact sport and uh, engaging is important. But, you know, rest rest uh, assured, too, that the the entire community, you know, is with us on this particular issue. I'm actually at a meeting uh, today and tomorrow where this will be a topic of discussion. And this meeting is uh, the annual meeting of the Association of Wildlife Conservation Partners. Uh, there's over uh, 50 conservation groups, all the ones that your audience are, are already members of and a whole bunch more, all of them focused on, you know, uh, conserving wildlife, uh, uh, protecting hunting, advancing participation, uh, all aspects of conservation. And this is one of the many issues that we come together on and uh, it's great to have everybody, you know, in that corner because not every issue is archery related, uh, but it's nice that we can have the relationships and play with all our other partners from the state agencies and uh, the others I've mentioned already coming together and focused on this. So we will, uh, you know, kind of put all our marbles together and see where we need to help each other and what is the best coordinated approach forward. So, you know, as, as things change and they will, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be malleable and uh, adjust as appropriate. But, but the fact that, you know, we're nonpartisan, that this really is mom and apple pie kind of stuff. We've got tremendous history. This is unfortunately just a, a, you know, an interpretation of unintended consequences and we've got to get it right and hopefully we can get it done sooner rather than later. But even if we get the interpretation like we want, we're, we're probably still going to want to move forward with some legislation to ensure that this doesn't happen, you know, in the future. So, uh, yeah, we welcome any and all uh, voices working together. And uh, I look forward to you being able to share with folks, you know, the success at the end of all these efforts. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it so much. And let's fight for this one together, everybody. I, uh, it's, it's dear to the heart and it's something that we absolutely need to do. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. You bet. My pleasure, John. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom designed products, as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot 